This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Don't you want devoted followers who leave their families for you, give their money to you, give their bodies to you, give up their lives for you, consider you God, and will kill for you? Don't you want to become a cult leader? Hello and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we also veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. This week's podcast will be on the Sullivanian cult. The founder of this cult was a man named Saul B. Newton and then his wife, Dr. Jane Pierce. So let's get started with them. Now guys, information on this guy is sparse at best. Saul Bernard Cohen was born on June 25th, 1906 in St. John, New Brunswick. There was another source that stated his date of birth was June 22nd, but what's three days? I wasn't really able to find out any information about his childhood at all. I do know that he traveled to the United States and attended the University of Wisconsin and graduated sometime just before 1930. At some time during this, he had a wife named Myrtle, although they did divorce. After graduating from the University of Wisconsin, he traveled to Chicago where he associated himself with these radical circles at the University of Chicago himself becoming a unionist, anti-fascist, and became an official member of the Communist Party of the United States of America in 1933 when he was 27 years old. He was also a member of the Social Service Employees Union, the International Labor Defense, and involved himself in several demonstrations. According to the website SpanishCivilWar.ca, Saul arrived in Spain via the Pyrenees Mountains, which is a mountain range that separates France from Spain, and he arrived there in May of 1937. He would have been 31 years old. It was then that he served in the Abraham Lincoln Brigade during the Spanish Civil War. It states he was wounded in action in October 1937, but how he was injured I couldn't find. He was hospitalized from October until February, so four months total. However, his information also states that he was a payroll clerk. But regardless, he was sent back home to the U.S. on February 18, 1938. Then in 1943, at 37 years old, he was drafted into the U.S. Army during World War II. Once he returned to the U.S. from the war, he then moved into and married a woman named Virginia who had already had a daughter named Esther. 
Esther wrote a small chapter in a book called, quote, To Me, He Was Just My Dad, unquote, by Joshua David Stein, and she wrote about Saul. So here's kind of a small excerpt from that book. Quote, Saul wasn't my biological father, but he was the only father I knew. He came into the picture when I was only six or seven. He was tall and very handsome, with big, dark eyes and strong features. Saul moved in with my mother just after he returned from World War II. With his army uniform and the gun he had brought back from Europe kept in the closet, he was a very big deal to me. By the time he left my mother, just a few years after he first came into our lives, he had already adopted me." Unquote. So once he was back in the States, he began to study psychotherapy and social work. He mostly wanted to focus on the human brain, you know, how it worked as well as human harmony. It was during this time that he changed his last name from Cohen to Newton. Now, Saul Newton began studying at the William Allenson White Institute. Many sources say that Saul had absolutely no formal training in psychology and psychoanalysis, but it seems pretty clear that he did, at least on some level. The William Allenson White Institute is one of the world's most prominent and respected psychoanalytic training and treatment centers. It is located in New York City. And while he was studying there, he met Jane Pierce. So let's get into a bit of her background. Jane Pierce was born on January 13, 1914 in Austin, Texas. I didn't find anything about her childhood either, but I was able to find that she studied at Ratcliffe College until 1932, then received her bachelor degree at the University of Texas, Austin, in 1934. She was then a student at the Institute of Individual Psychology in Chicago from 36 to 41. She also worked at the International Harriet Lane Hospital in Baltimore, the New York Albany Hospital, where she was a resident psychiatrist, and so on and so on. At this point, she was 27 years old. She then went on to graduate from the William Allenson White Institute in 1949, which is, of course, where she met Saul. So it is quite clear that Jane was a well-educated woman. She studied and worked in the medical field as a psychiatrist for years, so I'm not entirely sure why some people say they weren't qualified but I digress. Her biography information states she had a son named Christopher Pierce. I don't know if that was a child she had before she met Saul, but the chances of that are pretty high. Both Saul and Jane were very big fans of one of the founders of the William Allenson White Institute, a man by the name of Harry Stack Sullivan. Now, Harry was an American neo-Freudian psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. Neo-Freudians are a group of psychologists who agree with the basic ideas behind Freud's theories, but have altered them somewhat to include their own ideas. Generally, 
they more emphasize the importance of social and cultural factors when it comes to a person's personality development. Freud's ideas about psychology are, of course, let's say very interesting in and of themselves, but that can be the subject of another podcast, so let me know if you'd like me to make one on anything like that. So, Harry Sullivan said that, quote, personality can never be isolated from the complex interpersonal relationships in which a person lives, and that the field of psychiatry is the field of interpersonal relations under any and all circumstances in which such relations exist, unquote. Harry studied Freud, Meyer, and White, devoting years of clinical research work to help people with psychotic illnesses. He focused more on how people think and behave based on interpersonal relationships where, you know, culture is largely responsible for mental illnesses, sometimes called social psychiatry. He developed the idea of the self-system, which is the organization of the personality traits developed in childhood and reinforced by positive affirmation as well as the security operations developed in childhood to help the individual avoid or cope with anxiety and anything that threatens the self-esteem. And there's more, but you get the idea. Basically, he felt that peer groups were just as important as families. Now, Harry died in 1949, just as Saul and Jane met. At some point, they got married and they began the Sullivan Institute in 1957. The Sullivan Institute for Research in Psychoanalysis, according to an article in Rolling Stone, was their attempt to create a viable alternative to the traditional nuclear family, which Saul viewed as the root of all social anxiety as well as most mental illness. The nuclear family, of course, being a family consisting of a father, a mother, and the children, and he focused nearly primarily on the mother-child bond as well as rejecting monogamy. He felt that the secret to happiness was the destruction of that family unit. While Saul was not technically a licensed psychotherapist, he and Jane, who was licensed, began providing therapy sessions to clients. And they also hired other, quote, counselors, and I say that loosely, since a number of them didn't have a license to practice, through their associates and clients, that is how they recruited people for their group. During the 1960s, within this therapist-patient relationship group, people were encouraged to have sex with each other. Very quickly after the group gained in popularity and the Sullivan Institute members began living on the Upper West Side of New York City, it started getting super popular. They separated people and had them all live communally based on gender, so girls would be roommates with other girls and so on and so on. All of the therapists as well as patients who lived under the, you know, umbrella of the institute had to completely surrender to mainly Saul's rules and decisions. But there were apparently, quote, four horsemen or top supervisors. 
So, of course, there's Saul, and then Helen Moses, Ralph Klein, and Joan Harvey, and together they decided the rules. A former member stated in a video that she had posted on YouTube that there were four main rules. Do not speak with or write to or visit family or old friends except to ask for money. Do not sleep alone and do not sleep with the same person more than once a week. Do not sleep more than five hours a night and do not reveal the group to anyone. Now, of course, these rules didn't apply to Saul and Jane, who then went on to have three children, Sarah, Robert, and Paul. The rest of the group? Well, they were forbidden from having exclusive relationships. It was a psychotherapy-based polyamorous commune. Therapists would give therapy to patients, then later sleep with those patients. Members were told that their connection and relationship with their families was the root of all of their unhappiness and were then encouraged, heavily encouraged, to cut all contact with their families. Also, married couples didn't live together, and if women wanted to have children, they were not allowed to choose who the father would be, even if they were married. They had to sleep with many men so that they wouldn't know who the father was, and even then, they had to have permission before they could even get pregnant. Then, once they had their babies, they were raised either by babysitters or other caretakers and were mostly kept away from them. They would get very little visitation with their own children. Then, once the children were school-aged, they were shipped off to boarding school. You see, this was all in accordance with the beliefs and teachings of Saul and breaking up that primary family. So a man named Paul Sprecher, I hope I pronounced that right, who at the time was a fresh graduate of Harvard, was in New York City looking for roommates and he just happened upon the Sullivanians. He was quoted by Film Daily as saying, Quote, I found this group, and it just so happened that all of them were Sullivanian therapy. We created a living context, like a tiny village that was mostly cut off from the world. The bizarre thing, of course, is that you're in the middle of New York City, but the dynamics of control and so on are like a village. Unquote. So, if the members were separated by gender in different apartments to, again, discourage any two people from forming a monogamous bond, how did they meet to casually hook up and make sure they didn't sleep with the same person more than the allowed allotted times? Well, since you asked, members would post who their next sexual partner would be on a communal board for everyone to see. It was pretty well organized and maintained, actually. The members themselves either earned a living as a therapist, quote, heavy quotes therapist, or Saul and Jane would assign them duties, such as being a maid or a cook for the others. But they were surprisingly successful at being able to recruit doctors and lawyers and even famous artists into the group, 
Artists like Jackson Pollock was involved with the Institute for a time, as were singer Judy Collins, writer Richard Price, and other from the worlds of art and academia. That is how they made their money. And according to Saul's daughter, quote, as a leader and as a father, Saul was tough. He had no patience for fear. He also had a hideous temper and would become violent. My father used to rationalize everything. He'd say, I need to lose my temper. It's good for my mental health, but it wasn't good for mine, unquote. But the people not being able to see their children became a source of contention and they began filing child custody lawsuits in court, which brought with it negative media attention. By now, it was getting into the 1970s. It was also around this time that Dr. Jane Pierce left the Sullivanians. Saul Newton immediately went on to marry another woman named Helen Moses for a while, but that soon fell apart. He then married Joan Harvey, who had been a soap opera actress. And in the early 70s, the Sullivanians were at their peak. The group was at about 350 to 500 members. They joined with a theater group called Fourth Wall Repertory Company, AKA Fourth Wall Political Theater, which was based out of New York's East Village. Joan Harvey sort of put this together and she was the artistic direction, but Saul was also a board member and performed in a few productions. Joan would also go on to make several documentaries that Saul also produced. Now this theater company was mainly used for recruitment. Members of the group, after working long hours in order to provide money to the institute, would then gather and work at the theater. People of course were already being instructed to not get more than a few hours of sleep a night as it was. But, of course, sleep deprivation is often part of the cult dynamic. We know this. Also around this time, the, the group took a very authoritarian turn, mostly attributed to Joan Harvey. Now, the theater group wanted to expand and move to the truck and warehouse theater in the East Village. The previous company flat out refused to vacate. So... In a very destructive turn of events, the Sullivanians took over the space completely and vandalized the other group's props and sets. They also barricaded the doors. It was Saul's want that people learn how to stand up to the cops. He craved that level of confrontation. Three people were arrested. And then, guys, as all things do... It all came to a head in 1979. Specifically, on March 28th, Reactor 2 at Pennsylvania's Three Mile Island Nuclear Generating Station had a partial meltdown. This caused a radiation leak and was rated a 5 out of a 7 scale rating system and described as a, quote, accident with wider consequences, unquote. This accident pretty much solidified the thoughts that nuclear energy was dangerous and it sparked a wave of anti-nuclear movements where activists, and the general public really, 
voiced their concerns about regional health effects from this accident. And even though it was determined that there was only a small, statistically non-significant increase in cancer rates, according to sources, I don't know if I believe that or not, it did nonetheless set a precedence. Once the Sullivanians knew this had happened, they sort of mass exodused south to Orlando, Florida, because they believed it would also destroy New York's Manhattan area. But a few weeks later, about 250 or so of the members went right back up to New York. But anyone else that did not go to Orlando in the first place was outwardly and openly degraded by Saul, and any members who even talked about the incident could potentially be kicked out of the Institute. For one member, they said, quote, This was the moment that the fourth wall smashed closed. It was very scary, unquote. Another ex-member said, quote, After the Three Mile Island incident, paranoid beliefs and distortions of reality began to set in. I was dispatched to build a secret steel-lined room with quarter-inch plates so that Joan Harvey could edit her film without interference from the CIA. There was the technical manpower of succeeding at this task, subsumed under this desire to be approved of. It was a suspension of critical thinking, unquote. Yes, he said all of that. The group also began keeping a fleet of school buses and motorcycles in case of emergency. It turns out that the Sullivanians owned around $12 million in property, which included the Catskills Resort, a house in Vermont, and two buildings on the Upper West Side. And then, of course, they rented a third building on the Upper West Side. So, okay, in the 80s, Saul Newton, who is now in his late 70s and early 80s, his tendency to use violence began to increase. He thought the way he should deal with people who might be questioning his authority or the rules of the group was intimidation and violence. One member who tried to leave the group in 1985 said that Saul sent his own son and another man to assault him in the Union Square subway stop. Those two men actually threatened to kill him. Around this time, Saul was divorced yet again and married a woman named Helen Fogarty. She was a psychotherapist who encouraged her own babysitter, who was also her patient, to sleep with her husband, Saul. The babysitter later stated she absolutely did not want to do that, but that she felt she had to because the Institute paid for all of her expenses. So by this point, the membership of the Institute was now declining pretty rapidly. It was mostly due to the lawsuits against the group that was now being described as a psychotherapy cult. People were filing child custody lawsuits in greater numbers. The group was being talked about in publications such as the New York Times and People magazine. Some of the children that had grown older were accusing others of sexually assaulting them when they were little. 
The group itself was under investigation due to alleged professional misconduct by its therapists. But also because it was becoming glaringly obvious that Saul was suffering with some form of dementia. He was extremely paranoid and increasingly unbalanced. Finally, a real diagnosis. He had Alzheimer's disease. Now, Alzheimer's, according to the Mayo Clinic, is a progressive disorder that causes brain cells to waste away and die. It is the most common form of dementia. It is a continuous decline in thinking, behavioral, and social skills that disrupts a person's ability to function independently. There are seven stages. Stage one is normal. Stage two is aged forgetfulness. Stage three is mild cognitive impairment. Stage four is mild Alzheimer's disease. And then it goes on through the stages, moderate, moderately severe, and then severe. People suffer with mental decline, difficulty thinking and understanding, delusions, disorientations, forgetfulness, mental confusion, difficulty concentrating, inability to form new memories, aggressiveness, agitation, irritability, lack of restraint, personality changes, hallucinations, depression, paranoia, and eventually deteriorates to inability to combine muscle movements, loss of appetite. The brain is basically pulling itself apart. Saul Newton died in 1991 in a hospital in Brooklyn from septicemia after battling Alzheimer's, according to one of his daughters. His last wife, Helen, was in the process of divorcing him and leaving the group as he lay on his deathbed. A few years after his death, the state actually revoked Helen's license to practice psychology, though she has since been recently reinstated, though how, I don't know. After his death, the group pretty much dissolved. In total, Saul Newton had six wives and ten children. He and Dr. Jane Pierce together wrote the book, quote, Conditions of Human Growth, unquote. The people that were in this group are kind of divided. Some look back on their experience and criticize their time as a Sullivanian, and yet others absolutely cherish their experience. It was formed during a time when the counterculture was beginning. People wanted a different life experience. And many ex-members get very upset when they hear the group being referred to as a cult. So what do you think? Leave me a message on Instagram, at Serial underscore Killing, or a comment on the YouTube video. Consider sponsoring the podcast, and as always, thank you so, so much for listening. I appreciate you guys more than you will ever know. Have a great day.